Thank you so much, Rod. I think fellowship would be pretty good too, though. I like that. Oh, it's awesome to be here with you guys this morning. It's, um, I was a little bit nerve-wracking to fill in Pastor Darren's shoes, especially when he's not here. Now he's going to hear it from a bunch of people instead of just from me directly. So hopefully I do him justice. But uh, it's just been awesome, just even in preparing to come here. And is Katrina here or she's with the kids as well? Anyhow, oh, she's back there. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was just awesome. She's like, can you send me your message notes? And they filmed in the back of the bulletin. I think it looks really good. And then she was like, Pastor Darren has this where he fills in the blanks for the younger uh, generation to fill in. And I was like, oh, I tried to do fill in the blanks. But I was like, I'm sorry for these kids on, on, on this week because I'm not very good at this. And... Uh, but I tried, and then I think Pastor Dare, Pastor Nathan made this beautiful little one. I was like, this is awesome. You guys, this is top-notch. I felt like, yeah, this is good. So good job, uh, Pastor Nathan. I know he's not here, but uh, this looks really good. It looks so fancy. I might hire him, too. This is, you guys are blessed. On the way here this morning, um, I mean, we live in Nanaimo. One other thing that I, shot me in the uh, the most when I first moved here is you guys call, there's a difference between a highway and a freeway. That's so weird to me. Um, but on a highway, they, there's traffic lights, which is really messed up, if you ask me personally. <laughs> and um, so you don't know if it's going to take you 15 minutes or, or 35 minutes to get to Ladysmith. But this morning, every light was green. And we weren't even going to be late. That's, that's a miracle in itself. And um, I was like, we got to Ladysmith, and, and we got the green light at the gas station where they're building these, uh, the, the hotel and those different things there. And I was like, man, there's only one more light before we make it to church. And I wonder if it's going to be green, too. And, and we get to that one light to go to Transfer Beach. And guess what it was? It was green. And I was like, this is so amazing. And I thought, you know, I think this morning some of you have been sitting at a red light for a while. And God says it's time for it to change and it's time to get green. I think some of you have been going through some challenges. You've been feeling and, and living with anxiety. And God says today it's time to change this into peace. Some of you have been waiting for this opportunity and you felt stuck. And today God says it's time for the opportunity to come alive. And so it was just amazing to, to be there and go through every green light. And I hope that this is what God has for you this morning. I really believe that. And it's always a pleasure to be here, to be at Ocean View, because I know you guys are amazing partners. You guys believed in children. You believe in the youth. You believe in UCM's vision to equip university students to be Christian leaders in their family, in their church, in their community, and in their, in, uh, their workplace. And it was awesome to see all the people that are involved with their community and with the kids at Camp Quano's this summer. So we're here this morning. I don't know if we have a picture of my wife. I think I might have. Yeah. This is my wife, Christina. And uh, we had a little son. A little guy. He's four and a half months old now. Joseph. A cute little guy. I know. No one cares about us anymore. It's like, <laughs> hi, how's Joseph? He's good. I'm also here. <laughs> but it's good. It's awesome. It changes Everything. I know this is about Jesus, but a baby does change everything. 
Let me just share a quick story about UCM before we dive into the word this morning. And, um, because I just want to give you a little update. I know I was here just a few weeks ago, talked about the Easter event and how amazing it was, what God has been doing there. And at the end of the year, it was such a high, uh, highly uh, high energy year this year for UCM. And when the summer came, the students, the leaders wanted to keep something going on. Usually we stop during the summer and take a break and then start starting in September. But they wanted something to keep going. So we do every th first Thursday of the month, we do a worship night with a Bible study. And then the third uh, Sunday, we do an activity like go-karting or paintball and things like this. So, and then we do drop-in events. Last Thursday, we had our worship night on campus. And as the worship team was practicing, it's always a little bit interesting to see some international students. It's like we're an attraction, right? Like they're looking like this through the door, wondering what's going on. They're like... This is interesting music. They do play music in Canada. But I, then, uh, so it's just a really good opportunity for us to go and be like, hey, come. We have food, eat food, listen to this nice music, and then participate in a biblical discussion. And two students, two international students came, and they sat, they, they, they entered the whole service. They had a great time. One young man from India and one other girl as well from Asia. And she was talking with me at the end of the service, and I was, she was like, how do I become a member? But she says, I'm, I'm not really a Christian. I've actually never been religious. I've never been to any church or, or, or any service before in my life. And I don't know that I want to be a Christian yet, but, I would, but it was really good here tonight. And she was really fumbling on our words, you know, and she was trying to say that. Um, she's like, I really like the music. I've never felt this peace before anywhere. And she's like, I, I, I would like to be a member. Would, like, how do you do it? And I was like, you don't have to do anything. You mean you don't have to pay anything? You don't have to fill in? No, you, you, you don't have to do anything. You literally just have to come. She says, really? And she's like, she's asking, like, there's a catch somewhere where I'm going to come with a punchline, right, and be like, actually, not that you're really asking for it. No, there's nothing. And so it was amazing to, to see that. So thank you so much for your prayers because we are reaching people, not only on the island, but also internationally. People that are coming to VIU, you know, VIU has over 3,000 international students that are going to be there this year. And we have an opportunity to reach these people, reach these students. And some of them from countries where it's very difficult, like Saudi Arabia or other Muslim countries, where it's nearly impossible to reach them with the gospel. They're coming to us, and we have the opportunity to reach them with the gospel. So please continue praying for us. And if you're not receiving the newsletter every week, I send a little picture, a sentence to encourage you about what God's doing at VIU through UCM and a prayer request. I'd love for you to pray with us and change and change our, our campus, change the future of our province and our country together through UCM. So come see us, sign up for the newsletter, and together let's change. Let's transform tomorrow. So the question that we are tackling this morning is, why do Christians get mistreated? Have you guys ever been mistreated? I mean, oh, honestly, I've been mistreated. I think maybe once, one or two of you before, maybe. So maybe you can, maybe what I'm preaching this morning, you can teach to your friends. Because if you guys are not mistreated, but for, for us, all of us that do sometimes get mistreated, it's hard. I remember when I started UCM three years ago, I was so excited. I was full of enthusiasm, full of passion. I wanted to transform, and I was like, I want to see all 12,000 Christians on campus, all, oh, all 12,000 students on campus become Christians. And I showed up on campus, and I emailed all, as many people as I could find, all, as many departments as I could on campus. 
And I was like so excited to get involved. I was like, how can we help you? I want to be part of this. I want to help you guys be successful. I want, we want to be a blessing. We just want to serve you. And I would get zero reply. No one replied to me. All summer, for, for months, no one replied to me on campus. I know we have amazing people here in the church. Bonnie's here, but I, I didn't know her. I didn't email her, okay? So, so it's not her fault that I didn't get replied. <laughs> but all the other ones... Nobody replied. And finally, I got one replied. Also not Bonnie. <laughs> and I got so excited. Oh, my gosh. Someone replied to me from VIU. I was so excited. So I opened the email, and it went something like this. Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm just wondering why you keep emailing us, because you have no business on campus. Please stop. I was like, not what I was hoping for at all. That was quite disappointing. That was hard. I felt like I was totally rejected without even having a chance to try. But I persevered anyway. I showed up on campus. September came, and, and we tried to put some events on, and we got criticized, and I got told to go somewhere else because people are not interested in Jesus anymore anyway, and with my accent, they're not going to listen to me, so it doesn't matter what I try to do. It's not going to matter, and I should just go somewhere else. But I kept doing it because I believed that this was God, where God called me, and slowly and slowly, people started coming to UCM, and slowly and slowly, the different departments started to let us be invited. And the, the residents said, hey, can you guys help with this event? And then they said, can you guys put on this entire event and we'll pay for anything that you have that you need? And then the student union, we, I remember when we approached them the first time, we said, hey, would you guys partner with us? We want to make this amazing event. And they gave us $300 for it. And they said, this is the last time. We're never doing this again. You guys have to find your own budget next time and include this into it. And the year after, we went back to them anyway. And they gave us 500 and a big case of water bottles like, I don't know how much these cost, but it was like as many water bottles as you can dream. And it was amazing to see how God was transforming the heart of this campus slowly and how God was moving. And last year, we've averaged 89 students at UCM throughout the year. It was amazing to see. And there's a lot more work to do. And I know it's a lot of work. I've worked hard. We have a, an amazing leadership team that's working really hard. But it's not because of the amazing and the wonderful leaders that are there. It's because of God. When God is on the move, nothing can stop it. But it's hard work. And when I was thinking back on this a few weeks ago, God has revealed something to me that I had never really understood before, never really realized before. You hear it, but it's like it doesn't really connect yet. God revealed to me that it wasn't me they ignored, that it wasn't me they rejected, that it wasn't me they criticized, that it was God. And some of you this morning, you're being criticized, you're being rejected, and you're being ignored. And God wants to say, it's not you that is being mistreated, but it's God they mistreat. And so as we read from the first book of Samuel, chapter 8, when the Israelites went to prophet Samuel and they said, Samuel, we want to have a cane. We want to be like all the other nations, so give us a cane. You see, they didn't want God as their kin anymore. They wanted a man because they wanted to be like all the other nations. They saw all the other nations could commit sin at a low cost. They could sin and get away with it easily. And they wanted that for themselves. They loved the pleasures of sin better than the peace of God. They wanted to be comfortable 
They saw that the other nations could sin and still be comfortable, and they won't adapt for themselves too. And so I could just hear, you know, God speaking to my spirit, go to your neighbor, go and reach out to them. And sometimes this bottle in my mind be like, but God, you don't understand. There's a new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Netflix. Don't I deserve to relax too? My neighbor is tired from his hard day at work. I'm tired from my hard day at work. Don't I deserve just to relax? Christian life is hard. Serving God is not easy. It means that at times you'll be criticized, you'll be ignored. At times you'll be rejected, you'll be mistreated. But remember, it's not you they mistreat. It's God they rejected. Samuel stood up as a strong leader in Israel, and as he watched his own people, the people he loved, walk away from God, walk away from what God had to offer them, and it hurt him to the core. And I know some of you this morning are going through the similar things where you have your own children, people that you love, people that you care for, walking away from Jesus and wondering, what can I do? How can I help? And the more you try to help, the less it seems effective because they don't want to be helped. They want to be like everyone else. They want to be like the other nations. And so they criticized Samuel. They rejected him. They ignored his warnings. And as we see in 1 Samuel chapter 8, it was not Samuel they criticized. It was not him they rejected. It was not him they ignored. But it was God. And I want to encourage you this morning to stop praying these challenges away in your life. Don't ask God to end the mystery mail, to end the challenges. Because as we'll see, it can be God's vessel to fulfill his promises in your life. Growing up, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents were good Christians. I was uh, not to pump my own tires, but I was a pretty good Christian myself. I uh, was so good, I actually took notes during sermons. And if you came to ask me at the end of the message, I could tell you everything the pastor said that was wrong. <laughs> I was really good at criticizing. And uh, I remember one night after youth, I felt a sense of duty and responsibility to share my notes with the youth pastor. So I went to him and I, I told him uh, what he could do to improve and what he did wrong and what he did that was not true. And, and um, he says, you know, Samuel, this is a little hurtful. I said, it's the truth. <laughs> Don't you want to know the truth? Well, a few years later, later um, I was preaching. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> I remember I finished, and I was like, this was not as good as it was when I thought about it a few weeks ago. And then at the end of the sermon, guess who I see coming with a sheet with? My legs were starting to tremble and shaking. I'm like looking for an exit door here. I, I need to have an exit strategy. I can't find anything. And he comes to me. And only he has all the things that I did that was good in my sermon. It just broke me. It was such a good lesson. He couldn't have taught it to me better than this. And I wish that's why the people would have come to Samuel when they came to, his, when they came to Ramah to see him. Verse 4, 1 Samuel Chapter 8, verse 4. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And you know, we, we all have people like this in our lives. Where we're like, you didn't come all the way here to see my praises. You didn't, you didn't rush from downstairs all the way here with your big smile and nice words just to see my praises and be nice to me. There's something you're hiding there. 
What is it? And I'm sure Samuel saw him coming a mile away, and he knew what was coming. So verse 5, they hit where it hurts. They said to him, you're old. Before I talk about this, let me just address the young people here this morning. If you are young, be busy at work. Do as much as you can. Invest as much as you can. Work hard because there will be a day where you won't be as fast anymore. There will be a day where you won't be as strong anymore. There will be a day where you won't be able to accomplish as much as fast as you can right now. So be busy at work and invest in yourself. Invest in working hard because there will be a day when people will throw you to the curb because you're slow. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. You're older and you're like, I'm not as fast as I used to be. And the very people you slow down your life for to take care of are now leaving you behind because you can't, you're not as fast as they are anymore and you're slowing them down. They're being unkind, ungrateful, and unjust. But don't feel strange this morning because this is not a new phenomenon. Samuel went through the same a long time ago. You see, Samuel got criticized for his age as if there was something he could do about it. As if he could change it or, or improve it, make himself younger, but he couldn't. And some of you are being criticized right now for things that you can't change. Being criticized for your age, for your, for your sex, the color of your skin, your family history, or your past is being criticized. But you can't change it. Don't take this to heart. Because it's not you they criticize, you see. It's God. So the Israelites continued, verse 5, You're old and your sons do not follow your ways. It was true Samuel was old. And it was also true his son did not follow his ways. And if you have children, or you know someone that has children, you know of someone, or perhaps yourself, who have children that don't follow Jesus. And there's nothing more difficult, more challenging, more hurtful than to see your own children not following the ways of God. And here they are criticizing Samuel for it. And certainly he's the one that hurts the most, the saddest person of all because of it. And you read this and you got to realize and you got to give this morning the enemy some credit. He's not as stupid as some people make him to be. The enemy will only attack you and criticize you on what you value. He knows what's important to you, and he will try to destroy you on it. You see, nobody will criticize you with something that doesn't matter to you. They'll attack you, and they'll knock you off on something that you, that you value, like your children. Because he wants you to fall. He wants you to give up on your Christian life. But remember, it's not you they criticize. The Israelites continue, and they say, now... Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. You've poured yourself into this company for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And they let you go. And now they blame you and they say it's your fault. It's your fault. The business is not as successful as it used to be. Or your children walking away from Jesus, walking away from you, criticizing you. And they say it's your fault. They're blaming you for the lack of success in their lives. Their words criticize you, but it's not you to criticize. Certainly, you're not perfect, just like Samuel was not perfect. The tribes come to him, and now they're blaming Samuel for the lack of military security. 
failing to realize that it was never Samuel's responsibility to protect the people. That God is the one who gave the Israelite victory. And the people of Israel should have known this. They had Moses. They had the book of Exodus. They had the stories of Joshua. And how God is the one who's the way, who held the sun and sent to hell and, and gave military victories. They knew this. But now they believe that it was Samuel that was supposed to protect them. So when you criticize this morning, be glad. Rejoice a little bit that people think you have this much power. They thought Samuel was this powerful that he could do this. But you and I know that you're not the one in charge. Even though those who criticize you think you're in charge, they think you're that powerful. But we know it's not you. It's Jesus that lives in you that's that powerful. But it doesn't make it easy. Because you see, rejection, being mistreated is always difficult. It's hard. In 1858, the Illinois legislature used an obscure law and sent Stephen Douglas to the Senate instead of Abraham Lincoln. Even though Abraham Lincoln had won the popular vote, he did not get the seat. A friend asked him later how Lincoln, asked Lincoln how he felt about it. And he says, I feel like a little boy who stubbed his toe. I'm too big to cry and too badly hurt to laugh. And I know some of you are here this morning, and that's exactly how you feel. You wish you could laugh about the, the challenges and the trials that you've been walking through, but really, it hurts too much to laugh. You wish you could cry about it, but you tried. You talked about it, and people just washed it off to the side or ignored you or, or criticized you for even going there. And so you've given up on crying, and you hold the tears, and you hold it back. You're too big to cry and too badly hurt to laugh. That's exactly how Samuel felt when the people in verse 6 came to him, and they said, give us a king to lead us. And this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And if you look in the Hebrew, the word displeased here literally means this was evil in the eyes of Samuel. Samuel recognized that their request for a king was evil because God was to be their king. And it's one thing to make a poor life decision, but the most difficult challenge is to see your own children, the people you love and care for, walk away from God and choose to love evil instead of God. And you try to get involved, but you get rejected. You get mistreated. But remember, it's not you they reject. You see, Jesus... Jesus himself had to be rejected. Jesus had to go on the cross. There is no resurrection without the cross. And for the cross to happen, God, Jesus himself had to be rejected. Have you ever thought that the rejection you're, you're going through might be God's vessel to fulfill his promises in your life? There's no redemption from our sin without the resurrection. But for the resurrection to happen, there must be a cross. God has a victory coming out for you. And the rejection isn't because you did something wrong. But it's God's vessel to bring his promises true in your life. Verse 7 says, it is not you they have rejected. God is talking to Samuel. God is talking to you this morning. It's not you they rejected, but they have rejected me. It's not you your children ignores. It's not you your parents reject. It's God. It's not you your boss criticizes. It's not you your friends mistreat. It's God. 
And God is allowing this to happen because he's got something good, something better in plan for you. You see, just like Jesus had to die for us to have eternal life, something in your life has to die for something better to come alive. But that's not easy. Because like Samuel, it means that at times we'll be ignored. And you see, I... I tried to make my sermons engaging and, and passionate and add some humor and some life in it. And every once in a while, there's one person who's not totally into it. And one time, one person even fell asleep. <laughs> I was trying not to focus on this person. I was trying to ignore looking at that person. But my eyes were drawn to him. I would, every time I would... I would pan everywhere. I would always see him sleeping, and it was driving me nuts. I just wanted to go there and slap him awake. <laughs> Why did you even bother coming to church if you're going to sleep through the sermon? Maybe you think I'm boring, but you don't have to tell me that easily. You can at least try to stay awake for another 20 minutes. At the end of the message, I was standing in the back, and I see him looking at me, and he's making a beeline for me. I, he looked like he was going to come talk to me. And I was like, oh, man, this guy doesn't know what is waiting for him. I'm French-Canadian. <laughs> I'll give him a piece of my mind. He's going to regret sleeping in my sermon. <laughs> so he comes to me, and he says, hi, Samuel. Your sermon was quite good. And I thought to myself, how do you know you were sleeping? God's been working on me and, and teaching me that sometimes keeping your mouth shut can be a great blessing. <laughs> and so I really want to say something, but I didn't. I kept quiet. And then he continued and he says, you know, it was so good I had to close my eyes to focus on everything you were saying. I said, thank you, Jesus, for teaching me this lesson before. <laughs> Things sometimes are not the way it looks. And you feel like you're ignored. You feel like things are not going your way. You feel like you're stuck at a red light. You feel like, but the situation is very different than what we imagine. Samuel preached a whole sermon to the Israelites, and he was hoping they were listening. He was hoping they were engaged, perhaps even so engaged they had to close their eyes. But he thought, it's okay, they're listening. And he told them, and he warned them, he says, if you have a king, you will have to pay the consequences for it. And you think you're trying to protect your sons and your daughters by living in sin and asking what God has promised to give you and taking control of it yourself rather than surrendering to God. But you're not. You're not protecting your children. Don't be fooled because a king, and we read this in his sermon from verse 11 to 17, a king will take your sons. A king will take your daughters. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage. He will take a tenth of your flock. You see, because what you aren't willing to give to God, the enemy will take it. And the key word in Samuel's speech is take, not give. What people failed to realize was not what sin was going to give them. You know, we all know what sin gives us. We all know the pleasures and the lure and, and, and the feelings and the happiness that sin can provide. It's not what sin gives that we fail to realize it's what sin takes. 
And that's exactly what the Israelites felt to see and, and know and realize is, is not what sin was going to give them, but what sin takes. They didn't want God as their king because they knew that if they sinned, they would anger God. And if God was angry at them, they would have to pay the consequence for their sin. So they would rather be able to sin at a cheap rate and have a man lead them than God be their king. They liked the comfort of sin too much. They wanted Samuel to give them a king, but they failed to realize what a king would take. And some of you this morning, you want God to give an answer to your prayer, failing to realize what this answer would take away in your life. You see, when we give into sin, verse 17, Samuel warns the people, he says, if you give into sin, you yourself will become his slave. You see, sin takes so much in your life. It is God who sets us free, not sin. It is God who gives freedom, not the enemy. God who gives freedom of the desire of the flesh, freedom from sin, freedom that brings peace. But sin makes you a slave. The Israelites, however, were really asleep during Samuel's sermon, and they ignored his warning. They ignored Samuel, just like your children might be ignoring you right now. Just some, like some of you, your parents are ignoring you, or your boss, your students, your brother, your friends are mistreating you. But remember, it's not you they ignore. It's God. And even after you've warned them and explained and, and did your best to help them, they come to you like the Israelite came in verse 9 and they said, No, we want a king over us. And you know what's the worst of all is it wasn't even their request for a, a, a king that was their greatest sin. It was their insistence that God would give them a king immediately. You see, God had a king in mind for his people. His name was David, son of Jesse from the tribe of Judah. But the time was not ripe for him to appear yet. And could it be that for some of you, God hasn't been answering your prayer lately, not because he's ignoring you, but because he would rather bring up a David in your life than make you suffer through a soul. Could it be that God has something greater, something better in store for you than what you can even imagine and what you've even been asking for? It's just not quite the time yet. Could it be that the worst thing God could do in your life is answer your prayer by making you suffer and bringing ruin in your life by answering it with a saw. And perhaps the reason God, that could be perhaps the reason God is not answering your prayer right now is because he has something so much better, because he cares so much more about you than you even imagine, that he wants to provide a king after his own, earth, after his own heart like David. But despite Samuel's warning that there was a David that God was preparing, that there was a, a David that God was, was raising up, the Israelites ignored him. They refused to listen to Samuel. And I think it's one thing to be ignored by random people that live so far away, by, by people you don't really care. But it's difficult when you're not even listened by the people you care about so much, the people you've invested so much, like your own people. That Samuel spent his entire life investing in, and now that he was growing old, it was their time to take care of him, to, to, to cherish him, and, and to work for him. 
And now they were turning their backs on him, turning their back. And if it was only on him, I think he would have get over it. But I think what hurt him the most is that they were turning their backs on God. And that hurt him. Those that are supposed to love you the most, care for you, and now they are ignoring what is most precious to you, God. But it wasn't Samuel they were ignoring, you see, it was God. And it's not you people are ignoring, it's God. The Israelites had given up on their spiritual battle. They wanted someone to fight for them. They were tired. They, they, they are even honest about it. They say, verse 20, give us a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. But they failed to realize nobody can fight your battles. God has called you for a purpose and a reason. They wanted someone they could follow and see because, you see, following God required faith. Following God meant that sometimes they would be criticized, sometimes they would be ignored, sometimes they would be rejected, they would be mistreated, and they didn't want this anymore. They found it too hard. They found the Christian life too difficult. They wanted something easy. They found it too demanding to trust an invisible God and obey His commandment. What about you this morning? Have you given up on God? Do you have the strength to fight your spiritual battle this morning? Or do you find it too difficult to follow an invisible God? Do you have the faith to obey the Almighty God? And I hope you do. I believe you answered yes this morning. And so next time that you're criticized for your faith, next time that you're rejected for Jesus, next time that you're ignored and mistreated, remember, it's not you. It's God. Thank you so much. I'll invite Richard to come and do the pastoral prayer in closing.